Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Welcome to episode 145. We made it. And this is the celebration, I guess. No, no I thought we said 150. Oh, we said 150? 150. Jason is, he's I'm celebrating every five. Anything has got a five on it. I can't, Woo, five! I can't keep up with these round numbers y'all think we should celebrate. I never know. Go. Nathan just tells me it's it's an exciting day it's for an exciting a certain day. number. You know, I don't exciting. know. So it's all right. exciting to make it. It's, it's exciting. exciting. So my name's Jason. This is Nathan. This is an Ed. And uh, this, we, you said this, this is Ed. Ed. said this is, this is Ed. One Ed. One of we, our have, Eds. we have some clones that we keep <laughs> back in other places in case this one wears out. Maybe that should be a new bit is what, what are better Eds than we would rather have on the podcast oh, okay. than Ed? This is why we don't edit. You, know, <laughs> the you, get, zombie, you get gems zombie like that. Ed McMahon. Yeah. The Ed that has to lay down in his chair. Uh, <laughs> all right. That'd be Mr. Ed the Horse. That would be Slug Ed. Yes. Aren't there any current Eds? I mean, every Ed I think of is dead. Ed from, uh, what's the Ed from The Office? Oh, Ed Helms. Ed Helms. Yeah, I'd have. He'd come up here and rip it it to do and sing a little song, and <laughs> I'd be all about it. He'd have a banjo. That'd be cool. I did do that. It helps. Wow. Right, you guys get them for I know us. how to play okay. a chord on a banjo. Okay, well, there you go. Bring that in. <laughs> I don't no, own a, I don't music. own a banjo. All right. It helps. I do think it's from Georgia. Okay. So today, we're going to answer a question um, sent to us by uh, one of our fellow disciples. Someone yep. who's in our Men on ah. Mission discipleship program. Hey, Don. Yep. And... Uh, <laughs> He has asked a question about a specific passage. Uh, I'm thinking we should probably read this. Do you think we should read, read the this? passage? Read the passage. The yeah. whole passage. I, mean, no, I, I, read it. I, mean, I also read it the other day, so it's right. probably. Yeah. Well, let me read the question. Well, you the whole chapter is about it, though. It yeah, it is. is. But I think the specific part he's talking about, I know what he's saying. Okay. Well, then I'll read the question. It says after reading in First Corinthians chapter seven recently in our discipleship, I got confused. I've always been a of the idea that God wants us to meet the right person and procreate and get married. And I, I thought that's why he made man and woman, so that we could create his children on earth. It seems in this passage that being single so you can devote your time to God looks to be preferred. He states that it's fine if you're in a relationship, but if you're single, it's all the better. So, any insight? I think what he wants to know is it sounds like Paul says in this in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, that you ought not to get married. Marriage is not necessarily the, a great, great thing. And so he's he's feeling like maybe there's a contradiction there. So let's let's talk about the contradiction. You want to you enlighten us on the passage there? Yeah, so the specific part he's talking about is from 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 8, where it says, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, so, does the chapter not begin, if I remember correctly, with him beginning with something like, so concerning marriage? No, he starts by saying, I will say the header says concerning marriage. Okay. He starts by talking about... what you wrote me about. Yeah, That's why I, mean, I, I was going to get to. Yeah. But he's, he wasn't, he's answering the question that we don't have the question. That's well, all we know is, and he at least in the NIV, because I, I was going to bring this up, I, I think it's the Bible Project, so I can't remember, but I remember listening to, and I think it was on a podcast episode, which makes me think it's them, where they talk about a lot of this stuff, and it's hard to tell because in the Greek they don't have like quotation marks, right. so it's hard to know when he's quoting and when he's not. 
But like in the NIV, it starts, it says, now for the matters, this is verse one of 1 Corinthians 7. Now for the matters you wrote about, and then quotations, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, quote, end of quotation. And so that's something they said. Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Now, but once again, what I understand is in the Greek, that's not even fully clear. That's just what this translator goes, well, that must uh -huh. mean when Paul says this. Because some people, and this was the thing, was that was a debate in the early churches. Is Paul actually saying it is good for a man? not? But because of the, re the rest of the thing uh -huh. in context, he makes clear, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you that within marriage, that's, you know, and he goes through a whole thing about that. And then at the end of that section of talking about how women, uh, husbands and wives should handle sexuality in their marriage, he then says, now, and it seems like he's shifting gears to now to the unmarried, because that all applied only to, sexual activity only applies to the married couples in the church. Right. To the unmarried, I tell you, it's good for you to stay unmarried as I do. Once again, though, and I believe on this podcast, there are some, some scholars, I think, that believe that may even be a quotation. That he's responding to something that some of them have said is what he's actually saying. It is good but to stay on me. In that passage, even there, where he says that, does he not say, because of the current trouble or because of the current situation, I would say, I wish everybody were like me. Something like that, yeah, somewhere in the part about not getting married. It's something about there's something going on somewhere that is indicated yeah. that's why he thinks this is a good idea now. But well, then he I is, think that's the part where down here where he talks about concerning change of status. He says each person should live as a believer in whatever situation. Oh, yeah. Don't get remarried. Okay. Don't get remarried. Yeah. And so my point in bringing this up was I do think even among a lot of scholarship, this is a rather confusing section because it's hard to know when is he quoting, when is he not quoting. Um, but regardless, yeah. I think that statement is in there. So how do we deal with that? Well, I think he's coming. I, I think it's important for us to lay down this first because I, I feel like, because I've gotten this question a lot yeah. um, over the years. When people read something in the Bible that said, that takes marriage and brings it down in importance, mm -hmm. people go, wait a minute, yes. wait a minute. And I think the reason is because our society has elevated marriage yes. to a place that I don't believe it was originally intended. Not to say marriage is not important. I always have to say that because people get all bent out of shape. But I think we might need to acknowledge the waters we're swimming in. Right. Our, well, especially our culture, is currently right? right now, Christian culture Christian is culture. one of the few places mm -hmm. where marriage is still like the... Because within yeah. our culture as a wife, mm -hmm. it... There are there are more and more, and you sent me a s research the other day. I can't remember what the statistic is, but among people under the age of forty, it's now a, per, a, a remarkably high percentage for our country. It's remarkably high that are choosing to not get, not not be get married, married and maybe never get and married. maybe never get married. That's and the exactly Christian right. culture has this almost risk. And I'm not saying it's a uh, intelligent. That's not the right word. Uh, conscious choice to respond and then. Re-elevate marriage, but within Christian culture, mm -hmm. marriage, as you're saying, well, I think, and the is... other thing in our culture is, I, and I mean, let's be honest. Some of the reason Christians push marriage so much is they can't imagine anybody wouldn't have sex. Sure. Yes. Sure. That sex is like this overwhelming drive that no one can control. Yes. So apparently Jesus did, and maybe Paul too. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, that there no one can ever do this. You better get married. 
right. you should do it, you yeah. know. It, and Paul does say if you can't, yes. you yeah. should get married. And right? unfortunately, that has led us to elevate married people above single people to the point where right. I believe there are lots of, I know them, <laughs> there are a lot of single people mm -hmm. in the church these days that are being made to be almost second-class citizens. They feel very uncomfortable. They are they're left out. They, they're not integrated into the life of, of the church because they feel like, well, everybody here is coupled or families mm -hmm. and all this, and here I am. And, and for whatever reason, maybe by their own choice, maybe not by their own choice, just because of the circumstances of their life, and, and I think it's done a, a disservice to them. It's an unloving thing we've done to them. So, um, so my point was originally that that's why I think a lot of people read these passages and get a little bit of a shock to them because we have not held singleness in its proper place as right. well. And I think what Paul's doing here is he in in the context that he's preaching because he said he's speaking here. He says, "Look, if you want to have the greatest impact in the kingdom, then you need to have all of your focus and attention on kingdom mm -hmm. matters." Mm -hmm. For married people, this is going to be a challenge, yeah. and and not wrong. It's just true. It's just the truth about life. When you have a a, a spouse and some kids, your responsibility is you got to take care of that. You got to take care of those your home and all of those things, and that then turns your attention, rightly so, away from certain kingdom matters that you might have more time for. So therefore, he's saying, if you remain single. You won't have that issue. That's right. And so he's elevating that as a really preferred state in that context. Doesn't mean he's saying marriage is bad, don't do it. He's just saying, look, if you want to see the kingdom values here and weighing those out, yes, staying single's got, got a lot of advantages here. Well, I right. think that's, that's the I think that's the point he's trying to get mm -hmm. to, which is ultimately because I wanted to bring back, I did find the exact passage you're talking about where he says. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for a man to remain as he is, and he's talking to unmarried people or, or people who are uh, were married and they're widows or whatever. Or their spouse who was unbelieving left them. Left them, right. He says, are you pledged to a woman? Don't seek to be released, meaning if you're engaged, go ahead and get married. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. If you do marry, you've not sinned. If you marry, she's not sinned. And what That's I mean great. is I think what Paul is actually trying to get to is I think, and this is the part that I remember in the Bible Project podcast about this, was the, uh, Tim Mackey, who's the scholar there, says he thinks that this letter we don't have from the Corinthians is they're, they're spending way too much time talking about sex and marriage, and there's a group that thinks you should be married, there's a group that thinks no one should be married, and Jesus is coming back in six weeks, so why would yep. you do it anyway? Jesus ain't ever coming back. And I think what Paul is doing, which is what Paul's often doing, is going, get back, what? What are we arguing about this for? What matters is every decision you should make is how is this a benefit to the kingdom? Yeah. If I am so burning with lust mm -hmm. and passion that I can't even focus on loving a sister in Christ because I I have all of this, maybe then you should go ahead and get married because you seem you you seem way too focused on sex for this to be a thing. Mm -hmm. But if you if that's not a problem for you, why are you spending all your time focused on romance? Do the part that matters. Yeah. Serve the widows take care of the people in prison, do all the stuff that we know churches were doing at yeah. the time. And I think that's where he's getting to is there's advantages to both. There's struggles with both. Mm -hmm. You need to examine that in light of the kingdom, not in light of what your culture says to do or what you personally just want to do. Exactly. I think that's where he's trying to get to. So there are going to be single 
Christians who go, this is not an issue for me right now. Uh-huh. I'm not even, I, I'm not interested in anyone uh, of the opposite sex. I'm not even thinking about dating. And I think what Paul would say, and I think what Jesus would say to you is, great. Then mm-hmm. Keep figuring out how to serve the kingdom. Keep right. figuring out in your church what you can do. And as we, as as Jason said, and I know in our culture, there's a lot of benefits to that. Some of the people I know who are most evangelistic minded of meeting people in our community and building relationships with them are people who are single because they can go out every night and they can spend time hanging out with people yep. and they can get to know wide groups of people. Whereas I, a married guy who loved doing that, it would be irresponsible for me to leave my wife and children every single night of the week to do something. Yep. But there's also a benefit in that and that I'm raising my children to love Jesus. And it's not a right or wrong, as Jason's already said, and I mm-hmm. think Paul clearly is saying. Yeah, he says that clearly. I mean, that's the end of the chapter. He's basically, yes. he gives all these options. He talks to both groups of people, gives them, you can do this, or you can do this, or you can do this, or you can do this, and in the end, it's not so. This is also my <laughs> whichever, favorite Paul Whichever letter, way you go. Because it's all over the place, where he mm-hmm. starts by thinking there's a division in the church over people say, I'm a disciple of Paul. Some say they're Apollos. And he goes, thank God I didn't baptize anyone. And then he starts talking. He goes, oh, wait, I did baptize them. And then he keeps going. He goes, oh, that's right. And I also baptized this guy. And they're like, Paul, just like write it down on a different sheet of paper. Well, it just shows how, that's why I say to people all the time, the links of the books are determined by how much paper they had. That just shows you. He didn't have enough paper to start over. Yes. So he just, he, I'm not correcting you. Don't scratch any of that out. I just keep talking. Yeah. You, you just write down everything yeah. I said. It's all fine. It's yeah. like this podcast. We don't yeah, edit. That's right. We that's what edit. I mean. That's what I like about it. We don't edit. We just keep talking. Paul's like, guys, just look, I don't remember. Don't listen to part of it. you got to listen to all of it. And, and, I, and I particularly love when you read this chapter. There are some times when he goes, now, I don't have a command from the Lord, but this is what I think. <laughs> exactly. That's right. And then he'll stop and go, now this one is from God. <laughs> Listen really clearly. Yeah. Yes. And he puts all of that in there. Yeah, well, and right. I think it also speaks to how messy this church in Corinth is yeah. as well, because we know there's all kinds of stuff. It feels like the church itself is in all this chaos, and Paul is trying to cut through to it. And the reason I bring that up is our world around marriage and sexuality and relationships is also in so much chaos. Yeah. And I think as as either one of one of you were talking about how marriage in the church either becomes this thing that is just you got to get married so you can go have sex because it would be the worst thing if you can't or we have these other just really funky ideas about sex and how that applies to our we think god doesn't even care about it and paul and i think it would be good for all of us and the person who asked us to get really focused on what's most important about my life is serving jesus and the people he has placed in my life and maybe that means there is somebody in my life and the correct response at this point would be say, yeah, I should get married. And then maybe the response is there ain't no one and that I don't need to be spending my time going out and trying to figure that out. But the question needs to come to not what would be most sexually fulfilling to me or what would be most romantically fulfilling to me. It is what does it take for me to serve Jesus and his kingdom and what are things that are maybe holding me back or, you know, however right. that goes right. that I may have to deal with. And so that would be my encouragement to you from these verses is I think Paul and I think Jesus would say to you, keep seek first the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And all these other things are going to work themselves out if right. you keep that as your focus. Everybody's pretty clear that the height of the Corinthian letter is 13. Mm. Yeah. 13 yeah. where he finally gets to the love. The, it's yeah. love. Love is the height of all values. All this other stuff he's been split. I mean, the Corinthian church in some ways, is a lot like the church in the United States. I mean, yes. it's not like I don't know firsthand that there are people that like one teacher over another teacher. They don't <laughs> yeah. mind saying. 
I don't want to come to church when this happens or when that happens. I just want to, I'm really a disciple of this person. That's the whole first part of this thing. Yep. You know, it's all, and it's been goofy in the church forever. Yeah. You know, and he just like, that's bad. And then he talks about, you know, this thing with marriage. And he talks about how, what's the role of men and women. And that's always been goofy. And, well, and then he finally gets to, it's love, y'all. Yes. It's, and we have to, we have to learn the height of everything. All these questions you get answered if you would think in terms of, how do I really love people? Yes. And if marriage is your goal, let's just be honest, most of your uh, gender-based relationships, if you're single, will be pointing you toward, is that a potential mate? Yes. If that's a potential mate? And if not, I'm not going to do much with this one because I don't want to cast off wrong feelings. I don't want to give them bad signals right. because point. the signals might be, but if that's not my goal, I'm not giving any signals. That's yep. a good point. Yeah. That's right. That goes back to another part, you know, the, the when Paul talks about, you know, we ought to be treating all men ought to be treating all women as sisters and yes. vice right. versa as brothers. And if we just lived in that, you know, the priority of marriage would be placed in its proper spot. So. That's right. Yeah, and the thought that everybody has to be sexually fulfilled every day of their life, that yeah. we have to make drugs so that men and women can continue to have sex until their heart would give out. Yeah. You know, it's a yeah. Maybe that wasn't the way our bodies were meant to work. That's right. Well, and I do think it just goes, once again, I don't remember because we film so many at a time, but it goes back to the idea that life, and I, I, if we can get this in all of our heads, I'm talking about me. This is something, having the knowledge up here does me no good. I have to, there have to be practices that get this into my body. Life is not measured in my experience of it. And there may be, I, I bet there were probably times for Paul where he, he, he did at times go, man, I wish I had a, I wish I had a oh, yeah. and I wish I knew. I wish I knew what sex was like, and I mm -hmm. wish this. And maybe there are points that that was even a disappointment for him. But I know, and I and I I know uh, Christians who are choosing to be celibate and to live their life in this way, and those are opportunities to pray and to seek God in that moment, or to seek the the intimacy of a friendship or another person, and to say, hey, this. This brother-sister-in-Christ relationship, man, it deepens that because I'm not looking for this in just a sexual act. It deepens those kind of things in the same way that I, as a married man, when I find lust for someone who is not my spouse, also go to God in that moment. And I choose to allow that desire to try and redirect it to my spouse, and it deepens that relationship. And I think if I can get myself to a point that my life may not be a sexually fulfilling as my imagination can come up with. In fact, it will not be as fulfilling as my imagination can. And I will not have the best possible experience if what best is is whatever I could imagine. But that's okay because that's not what life's about. Life is about me living within God's kingdom and that that is a life that is truly life, which means every other life I could imagine is not real. You got me to thinking, Nathan, about the only... So, you know, one of the original elders of this church was a guy that when I first met him was already in his 50s. I was in, I was barely 30. And uh, he just was a special guy. He had made a lot of money. He had always wanted to be married. He'd never been married. He wow. prayed for marriage. He struggled in the church because in our little core group, everybody was married. And when he thought he would have friends, I mean, I can just remember we hadn't even been friends for six, eight months, and the people he was closest to in the church were people with, 
when they were married, they had kids, and when something would happen, he'd feel left out. And even in 50, he'd feel that pain. This was a guy his whole life in many different churches had devoted himself to. Okay, I'm good at business. I'm going to make as much money as I can. I'm going to give a lot of money to the kingdom. I'm going to help build churches. Our church wouldn't have gotten started. He's he's the one that early on when we were doing stuff, he would just say to me, you know, Ed, some are going to do what we are asking. Some are not going to do it. So what? We're going to do what God calls us to. And he finally got married like the second or third year of our church. He found this lady, her husband had died. They began to hang out. They fell deeply. And I mean, they were a giggly teenager in love. And about, you know, she, uh, about a year in, or with, during their courtship, she got this terrible disease. She was in a coma for months. He spent all the time at the hospital. We all prayed for him. We thought, oh my gosh, why would this happen? After he'd been praying forever, he's still devoting himself to the church the whole time. She comes out of this thing after a lot of prayer. She comes home. They get married in the hospital when she recovers. And two years into their marriage, he falls over dead of a heart attack. And everybody's like, you know, why did he, you know, well, he had had a full life. That's right. It just hadn't been the kind of life that all of, and I can't wait to get to heaven to see him again because this church would not be this church if that dude hadn't been able to give the amount of time. And he'd just come in, he came and saw it. He lived in Fairburn, and he would drive down from Fairburn every day and just come and say, what do you need today, preacher? What can I do to help you today? You know, whatever he could do, he did. Wow. But he devoted himself to it, eventually got, you know, the marriage that he wanted. Everybody thought it was short sighted, but maybe it was the perfect one. That's right. Yeah, Who that's knows? right. Yeah. Wow, great story. All right, well, that's it for today. Um, make sure you're continuing to send us those questions. Uh, we we love getting those, and uh, we appreciate them. Those of you who send those in, thanks for the questions that we've had. This thanks for the question we got this week. Uh, so the this, um, the link is in the description for you to do that. Send it to us. Give us your name. Don't give us your name. We'll answer it either way. So uh, and uh, like I said, that's all I have right now. And so we're going to stop our taping for now. Okay. So next week. Are you we'll saying have, taping because it's not like you put taping in quotations? Because we don't it's not tape on anything. It's on, it's on digital. Okay. But that's what I call yeah, it. It was just a, So the next yeah. time you see us, we'll all have different clothes on. It'll be a different day, and uh, either the Braves will be it's still in the playoffs. They'll either have won the World Series or lost in between that's somewhere. Right. This particular game is not going well. It is not. So we'll either like be Charlie excited or morning. I would like to take a screenshot of this and to send it to me so that next time we tape, I will wear the exact same clothes Perfect. just so that Jason can be wrong. Perfect. <laughs> I'm that petty. I'm yes, sh- you are. Oh, yeah. yes, he is. <laughs> <I am. laughs> All right. So y'all have a great one, and we'll see you next week.